Well, when uh, when Holy Spirit does what He does and just interrupts our plan and our program and all that kind of stuff, we have to make amendments and changes. So bear with me here, and um, I want to jump into what I want to share this evening. But we've uh, today is a very special. I should say this weekend is special, not only because of Memorial Day, but because of Pentecost. And as I kind of pointed to last week, I wanted to get in and talk about this, because this is such an important time of the year for the church. Certainly for the world, but for the church as we look at our calendar. And what we've just been celebrating here in this last season has been Passover. And the death and resurrection of Jesus. And uh, so that takes place there in, in March and April. And then we remember also Passover, which is what, it's not just a Jewish thing. This is something that Jesus called all his followers to, uh, to celebrate. Um, where Passover is what has purchased for us peace with God. Without Passover, without the angel of death back in Egypt passing over and the blood of Jesus covering people, we would still be objects of God's wrath. And yet now we have peace with God because of what Jesus has purchased on the cross. So then we have peace so we have peace with God, then we have the peace of God comes into our life. That's a result of grace. When we're given grace, when we no longer have to try and perform for God through all the centuries prior to this, people have been trying to get in good with God, trying to do enough to get them, get Him to like them, to accept them, to receive them, and all that was taken away when Jesus came and He paid that price. So we're given two things, peace, the peace of God and peace with God. But that's not all there is to our walk with God and the Christian faith. There's so much more. We're just getting going. Things are just starting to warm up. And so what we see here is this... I wish we could go into it, and I want to take time, um, maybe next week as we focus on our, take a time each month to focus on uh, our communion time, take a few minutes to do it, to go through this whole thing of the unleavened bread, which represented Christ's sinless sacrifice, and then first fruits when He resurrected from the dead. He was the first fruits of the resurrection, which gives us hope for what we can look forward to and expect in life with God. But this is also pointing to something that is going to come here. And so Jesus, at the end of Matthew 28, uh, at the end of Matthew, he says there in chapter 28, he tells them to go and he sends them on mission. But then he tells them in Acts chapter 1 here, he says, Don't leave Jerusalem, verse 4. Until the Father sends you what He promised. There's a promise coming. He's setting the stage for expectation. 
There's not only some, there's not somebody coming, there's someone coming. So Jesus has been with them. They thought it was like it's us and Jesus. We're going to overtake the Romans. We're going to go do this. This is going to be awesome. And then all of a sudden, their hopes and dreams are completely dashed because now Jesus is gone. He's dead. But of course, he resurrects on the third day and he says, listen, I'm going to be be with the Father, but I'm sending you the promise. Wait for him. So, that's what's going on. Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you what he promised. Remember, I have told you about this before. John baptized with water, but but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So, how many days after Jesus' resurrection do we start to experience what's going to happen here in Acts? Okay, so what is, what's, what's Pentecost? What does that word penta mean? 50. Okay, so basically we're talking about, you know, it said seven weeks, so 49 and a day to get us to 50. So Pentecost, and then verse 7 here. The Father, in chapter 1 of Acts, the Father sets those dates And they are not for you to know. But when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will receive power and will tell people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So here we hear and we see in Matthew chapter 28. He says, go, disciple the nations, teach them everything that I've commanded you to do. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And, don't forget about this part, I'm never going to leave you. I'm with you to the end. Okay? So, but now go and wait for the promise. So, they're there. They're waiting. But they have this mission that they've been given. But this is literally mission impossible. Absolutely impossible. I mean, think about the poster child of this movement right now, Peter. Well, we've gotten into his life before, and we don't pick on him. We understand because we can relate to him, can't we? Fearful. I mean, he's he's freaking out when Jesus finally when the when the time comes and they start trying to pick out who's associated with Jesus. What does Peter do? Runs and hide, denies him. Says, "I don't want any part of this guy because it's going to cost me my life." But then. We see something take place here that is going to change this guy forever. Let's look here at chapter 2. On the day of Pentecost, verse 1. Seven weeks after Jesus' resurrection, the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there's a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm in the skies above them. And it filled the house where they were meeting. Then what looks like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. How many people were filled with the Holy Spirit? Everyone. Everyone is getting in on this gift. On this new thing, on this new promise that God is releasing, everyone is getting in on. Don't anyone feel like you're going to be left out. You're not going to be. Everyone was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Godly Jews from many nations were living in Jerusalem at the time. And they heard this sound. They came running to see what it was all about. And they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. 
So Jerusalem at this time of year would swell by like something like 300,000 additional people as people would come to Jerusalem for Pentecost. Here for 1,500 years, they, well actually a lot longer than that, Pentecost starts all the way back to Mount Sinai when God gave them the law. He gave them the Ten Commandments. And so for... Uh, excuse me, for 1,500 years they've been waiting because Jeremiah says, I'm going to write, he spoke on behalf of God and he prophesied and he said that God was going to write the law on their hearts. It wasn't going to be this law out here, this obligation that they were going to have to try to, you know, fulfill and, and, and do, you know, fulfill all these rules and obligations. But he said, I'm going to write them on your hearts. And that's exactly what took place here. They finally come year after year and go home disappointed. When is God's law going to be written on our hearts? Because the law they knew could not save them. So, anyway, people see this happening and what do, what's their report? What's the result? These guys are drunk. He's like, hey, it's 9 o'clock in the morning, fellas. These guys aren't drunk. Who drinks that early in the morning? So Peter stepped forward with, with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, hey, listen up carefully, all of you. And this is what he does. He pulls from the prophet Joel. He says, I'm going to tell you what this is all about. It was prophesied many, many years ago. And this is what he describes, and he said is happening. In the last days, verse 17, chapter 2, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Did you guys hear that? Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Bethany's going to prophesy. Davis is going to see visions. John's going to have dreams. Lee is going to see those things. He's going to see out there and say, Hey, come on, let's do this. God's good. He's bigger than all the things that we're going through. In those days, I will pour out my spirit upon August Paulstrom, upon some of my servants, men and women alike. Is that what I said? No, all. Upon all of my servants. You see, when the Holy Spirit comes, He brings an inclusion of ministry. You know how women were kind of second-class citizens? You know, they had to sit in the back, or, you know, they just weren't included in what was going on. Here, Joel's prophesying, when the Holy Spirit comes, everybody's in, baby. Everybody gets included. Women are no longer second-class citizens. They're, They're going to be valued. They're going to be, their giftings are going to be respected in my body. It's not going to be the little children just, you know, going off and doing their thing, but they're going to experience and encounter me just like you are. Because they've got a childlike faith. There's no age or gender or social status. Everyone matters. This isn't just, you know, just for the, the prophets and the priests and the kings. Just like the gospel is no longer going to be just for the Jews, it's going to be for you and I Gentiles, people. That's right. It's for everyone. 
And I will cause, verse 19, wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. Come on. Blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will be turning to darkness. The moon will turn blood red before that great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. Heard some talk about blood red moons and different things, haven't we? This is also going to be a multilingual, multicultural, multi-ethnic. The nature of the church will be this. And it's also going to be a church of mission. Verse 21. Here's where he concludes with, comes to this conclusion of Joel. And anyone, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Anyone and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This, so I think it's 2 Corinthians 5 or 1 Corinthians 5. This is what Paul talked about in terms of being an ambassador of Jesus Christ. Anyone. This is the message that we have been given of reconciliation between God and the world that He loves. God will pour out His Spirit on all those who put their trust in Jesus and become His disciples. So Peter says, God publicly endorsed Jesus of Nazareth by doing wonderful miracles, wonders, and signs through Him, as you well know. I agree totally. Verse 32, this prophecy was speaking of Jesus whom God raised from the dead and we are all witnesses of this. And now He sits on the throne of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand and the Father as He promised. He gave Him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us just as you see and hear today. So let it be clearly known, Peter goes on, by everyone that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified to be both Lord and Messiah. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified to be both Lord and Messiah. Peter's words. I want you to notice something there. It wasn't just his lifestyle. It wasn't just that he didn't swear, because he did a lot of that probably, being in the line of work that he was in. It was his words. Yes, is it important that our life lines up with the words? Yes, but it was his words. He actually spoke the good news. Peter's words convicted them deeply, and they said to him, to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? And he replied, each of you must turn from your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Well, verse 41, those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church, about 3,000 in all. It's not bad for your first preach. Not bad at all. They were baptized and added to the church. They joined with the other believers and devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, sharing in the Lord's Supper and in prayer. Jesus was the first fruits. But there was this feast of harvest that was fulfilled. 
as the words of God got written on the hearts of these people. You could see that happening. Do you see that? Peter was taking God's word and he was writing it on people's hearts. And they listened to it and they heard it. And as a result, they were changed. They were convicted. You mean that was me? I wasn't even there. You mean that was me? It was my sins that put Jesus on the cross? That that He had to die for me? Yeah, not just as a result of the choices that I make, wrong choices, or the sin that I commit. But it's because inherently, but going back all the way to the garden, there was a curse that is ingrained in all of us, that all of us are stained with. That Jesus had to wash clean by the sacrifice of His blood and by the broken body. key here is that the followers of Jesus who had now peace with God and the peace of God were empowered by the Holy Spirit to become like Christ to deliver the good news of the gospel by trusting in Jesus for forgiveness of sins in order that they might be saved I just want to share some of the things. Here we see is that, first of all, is that the the church here gets its start. Up to this point, there wasn't any movement that had been going on. But we have the birthday of the bride of Christ. Isn't that cool? The way to think about that. Here we have the birth of the church. But every year, I mean, I don't know about you, October 2nd, she was born in 1978, but October 2nd is a very special day because that's the birthday of my bride. I never forget that. I make sure that that's special. We celebrate that time. What is Jesus doing? As He's looking in expectation for us collectively as His bride, not just in here in this room, but the bride of Christ, past, present, and future, that He is preparing spotless, for this great wedding banquet that is to come. What does the, the Holy Spirit do for us in our lives when we are baptized in the Holy Spirit, when we are filled with the Holy Spirit? He helps us to confess Jesus is Lord. 1 Corinthians 12 tells us He helps us to serve God with supernatural power. So we've been given peace with God. We've been given the peace of God through His grace. But now we must have the power of God through the Holy Spirit in order to do what we're called to do. Matthew 28, this impossible mission. But now it becomes possible to go and disciple the nations. To go to be empowered by the Holy Spirit in order to take the gospel from here, our words and our actions, to go to every person right here in Kenmore, right wherever your city is that you live in, in your neighborhoods, just like he says, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. What is the Jerusalem that he's placed you in? 
That is sovereign. You may be renting, you may own a house, whatever it is, you have been sovereignly placed where you are for God to use you just like He used an ordinary man like Peter to do extraordinary supernatural things where once he fled in fear, now he was standing up as a bold witness as a result of the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And he empowers us to serve God with supernatural power. The Holy Spirit also does something amazing. He takes a bunch of motley crew like this group right here, and he unifies us together. They're not necessarily, you know, it's, it's not always the people we would think of, you know, I, I, I want to hang out with them, I want to spend quality time with them, even though we should. But here's the thing, when we are in the place where the Holy Spirit has placed us, we don't just go and choose wherever we want to, you know, go to church or attend church. We are called sovereignly, divinely placed to be put into the body as He pleases. 1 Corinthians 12. That's His choice. Why? Because He knows even through the difficult things that we're going to go through, Morgan and I are going to have conflicts with one another. Don and I are going to have conflicts with one another. David's my neighbor. We're going to go at it sometimes, you know, and we're not always going to agree. That's okay. Because I get an opportunity to humble myself, hopefully, and become more like Jesus as a result of David being in my life and rubbing me the wrong way. Knock it off, Dave, will you, please, huh? (laughs) Wrapping up with this, Holy Spirit helps us to pray. He helps us to pray. I love this. He also intercedes for us with Father God. Romans 8, love that. Stuff that we don't even know, He's praying and interceding for us. You guys, as we get into this Good Shepherd series, we continue in it, we're going to find out just how helpless we are as we look at the makeup of a sheep. It is unbelievable the way that our Lord describes us. We need all the help we can get. Amen. Amen. And He helps us live like Jesus. He empowers us to become all that God designed for us to become. Hmm. You know, as, as lead pastor of this church, my responsibility is to equip us. And I'm not the only one. That's not all on me. Because you have a life with God as well. But that's part of what this is about, is to equip us corporately to do the works of service that God has called us to. But none of us are called to control the Holy Spirit. Don came up to me, Don Prescott, after worship, and he came up to me, he goes, do you plan to do that? I'm like, no. You know, what, what happened here, you know, this morning, and just waiting on him? It was a perfect setup. It it didn't, in a sense, need to even be preached. We could just say, you know, what happened here, that's what I'm talking about. That's what the Holy Spirit is wanting to say to us. To give Him room to step back, to let Him move in our lives. I'm serious. I I used to practice this way. Just, you know, I'm in the shower and whatever, just singing along and probably too much information. But, um, (laughs) no visuals. (laughs) But just, you know, little things like how much, how much shampoo? 
Okay, and then I hear him say, okay, that's good. Awesome. Practice hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit. That's so good. And that translates into, see that guy over there, Eric? Just go ask that guy how his day is going. I'm scared. Well, you don't have to worry because my Holy Spirit's with you. Peter, he's in the same boat. To be associated with me, to step up and be and let people know that you're walking with me, you don't have to be fearful anymore. Because I'm, I'm with you. That's my power working in you. To make a bold stand when it's not popular in our culture in terms of biblical convictions and say, you know what, this is the way God has called us to live. I know you don't know Him yet, but that's what He's called me to do and that's what I'm going to do. Because they get into all kinds of messes. You look at chapter 4 of Acts. And they said, you know, I don't know what you guys expect us to do, but we can't follow you if it goes against what God has called us to do. We have to disobey. And you know, they said they recognized something about these guys. They weren't all that bright. It says right there. The Greek idiot ignoramus. Look it up. But it says that they recognized that these men had been with Jesus. You see, the Holy Spirit inside of them, living in them, looks just like Jesus. So, now, did they physically look like Jesus? No, not at all. But the same characteristics of the Holy Spirit in them, look at Luke 4. Why was Jesus called? He said, I've been anointed. Grabs from Isaiah 61. To preach good news to the captives, to you know, set the prisoner free, all these things. He said, that's why the Holy Spirit is upon me. So what does it look like for the Holy Spirit to be on us? To be just like Jesus. To carry on this mission that was once impossible is now made possible by the power of the Holy Spirit in inside the disciple and follower of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Stand up with me, please. This is what is available to how many? All. All. To everyone. This Holy Spirit, who's not an it, he's not pixie dust, he's not any of those things, he is the personality, the person of Jesus Christ. Living inside of us. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. And He sent His Holy Spirit. I don't know if there's anyone here who's never been baptized or filled with the Holy Spirit. If that's you tonight and you saying, you know what? The things you've saying, I, I know I'm born again. I know I'm saved. And there we could go on a debate about whether or not somebody is filled and baptized with the Holy Spirit. But we see clear biblical examples of people who were born again, but they had not received the Holy Spirit yet. And if that's you tonight, and you want to receive the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to live this life that Jesus called you. Maybe you felt like you just... Like this really nice souped up car, you know, born again, brand spanking new. But there's a lack of power in your life to live. To Maybe there's constant fear to reach out and to express the good news of Jesus Christ to people. If there's a fear there, 
You need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, filled with Him and empowered to do that work of ministry that He's called you to. So if that's you, um, I would love to pray for you. So we're going to go ahead and conclude here. But if that's you, maybe you've never received um, your prayer language. You, you don't speak in tongues. You're like, oh man, that's part of some, that's kind of hocus pocus thing. Very clearly here in Acts 2, we see the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the people receiving that gift. That's not 100% necessarily biblically, but most of the time we see people who are baptized in the Holy Spirit, they receive the gift of tongues. And if you want to receive that gift, as well as many other gifts that are that uh, Holy Spirit offers to us, want to pray for you. Amen. Anybody here? Anybody here? You're just saying, I, I want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I want to receive a, a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm raising my hand. I'll, I want a new and a fresh boldness to, to just dispense and express the gospel, the good news. Anybody here, you want, you want that? We see that is one of the main primary purposes of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit. Just raise your hand. Just keep it up. Just keep it up. Holy Spirit, would you come and would you fall fresh on us? We're not trying to convince you of anything. This is what you love doing. Where there has been fear, we now release faith in Jesus' name. Where there has been fear, we release a boldness, a fresh infilling of your Holy Spirit to do supernatural works, to believe you for that, and to keep believing you for that until it happens. I'm asking for a fresh filling of faith for prayer, for prayer and intercession. To work with you, to co-labor with you in the earth today, releasing your will and your purpose into situations where there's an impossible situation right now. We just speak faith for the impossible. As we see sickness and disease in front of us, as we see marriages completely falling apart, we just say, no, faith for the impossible. Faith for the impossible. And we do this all so that you would be glorified in and through us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Have a great evening. Thank you so much for for hearing this and just responding to the Lord. Amen. Amen. Have a great Memorial Day weekend. Fantastic time, family and friends. Good night.